Welcome to Reframe the Podcast, helping you reframe your thought patterns, habits and mindsets to create the life that you want to lead. It is so lovely to be back with the podcast. I love recording these conversations and today's episode was no exception. It is with Nicola Hatfield, who is a mindset and confidence coach. And what's really interesting about today's conversation is that we recorded it in the summer, just as we were told that we could all take these tentative new steps out of lockdown, out of the pandemic, and that shapes a lot of what we talk about today. We talk about what does that mean for our boundaries? Now there's been this blurring of lines. Many of us are working from home, how it impacts our energy levels and how we're using this experience to reassess what it is we want from life and what we want our lives to look like. Hi, Nicola, and welcome to Reframe Club podcast. Um, it's a joy to have you here today. Um, and I think a very good place to start would be to have you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to our conversation. So um, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a mindset and confidence coach. So supporting women specifically on a one-to-one basis, but also working with organizations and social enterprises to deliver group wellbeing workshops and webinars. So my main focus is helping to helping individuals to develop greater confidence, um, manage overwhelm, and also gain clarity on kind of what it is exactly that they want to do with their life and how they can go about doing that. And I always say, you know, whether it's something huge or a big uh, milestone that you're trying to reach, or generally that you just want to improve a little bit each day, um, that's really where I come in to help support people to think differently take positive action and achieve their goals all whilst feeling at their best I think that's a really key thing because Mm. a lot of the clients I work with and and something that I can really relate to myself is being successful on paper yet feeling unfulfilled and I think the work that I do and and I'm sure you're similar in terms of um, from a coaching stance is how to feel at your best so that you can show up as your best self in the different domains of your life whether that's in work, as a partner, as a friend, as a colleague, um, as well as reaching the success and the results that you're um, striving for. Absolutely. And you said a key word there. You said, well, phrase, you said domains of our lives. And I think that's, Mm. we forget, don't we, that we are this whole self. And there's all these facets that are interplay and interweave in helping us, you know, as you say, show up, um, fulfill our potential, be successful, and actually, more importantly, feel at peace. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of our life kind of trying to fit ourselves into boxes that aren't shaped like us. Um, yes. But obviously a big part of that, and you know, a big um, area that obviously I, from my point of view is important to me, is that domain of health. So, mm. you know, in, in your work, how would you define that? What's the importance of, of health in that picture? Yeah, good question. And I think it's an interesting one because I I imagine at different stages of life, it might be defined in a different way. Um, I'd say for me with my work and something that I, um, how I look at health is feeling great mentally and physically. Um, and of course, you know, it's about eating well, whether that's sort of a balanced and colourful um diet for, for lack of a better word but also about getting fresh air about having time with friends about connecting and movement and laughter and it's much more of a holistic stance mm. on health and something that I do 
fundamentally believe everyone can access might be that there's sort of changes that need to be made or certain areas of life that might need a bit more focus on you know you could have a healthy um way of eating yet be unhealthy when it comes to your work habits or work relationships you know something that Mm. a lot of people I think are mentioning at the moment is this idea of toxic productivity and I have to be honest and say it's something that I spotted noticed within myself in the last I guess year or so for lack of of other things to do I suppose I found myself working a lot and there were lack of boundaries so whilst I love doing exercise and eat well and feel healthy physically that is an example of an unhealthy area that I had to kind of address so I guess it's an all-rounded approach thinking of your mindset as well as your physical body that um, need to be kept in check so it's not an easy task but um, definitely something that yeah is obviously really really important and there are many ways and modalities I guess that you can use to help improve health in certain areas mm. you hit the nail on the head there with your own experiences like over the the past year this toxic productivity and obviously at the time of recording this we're coming to the summer of 2021 we're coming hopefully fingers crossed out of the back <laughs> of the pandemic <laughs> fingers crossed equally this whole experience over the year the last year and a half I think has fundamentally changed for many of us the way we view our working life our personal mm. life our mm. relationships and as you say that wider picture of what pertains to health and the meaning of health yeah. I read the other day an article that said, um, we're not working from home now, we're living at work. And I mm. thought, that is so true, that mm. blurring of lines, mm. you know, where we don't, we don't have that transition to and from work. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. not making a commute, we're not walking, we're not on the train, we're constantly mm. available, you, your office is calling, you know, you mm. think you've stopped. And actually, I think that's, that has, for many, impacted our mental well-being 100 mm, percent. i think it's it's exactly that you there's no clear end of the day you know especially in winter when it was dark and we couldn't go out sort of why wouldn't you work in a way because it was giving you a purpose it was giving you a bit of structure in a time where there was a lack of structure and a lack of uncertainty and the default for a lot of people was to just rely on the work as that sort of constant in their life and something so they could put their attention to yeah. without having to think too widely at what was going on externally. Um, and then before you know it, you haven't had a lunch break, you're working, you know, from 8am till 7pm, then maybe even again an hour later on, um, which is why something like boundaries is so important, but very hard to implement if you either haven't got them in place yet, or you have a lack of confidence in how to set them. So it's, yeah, it's quite, it can suddenly get quite complicated. Yeah, I think we have to bring some awareness to it, don't we? Because I think we we we've probably now embedded a lot of this. I know that my he, he, my husband doesn't listen to this podcast, but so he won't <laughs> mind me saying he'll never know. He'll never know I've said that. Oh, yeah. um, but he walks around with his phone like permanently glued to his hand. He is constantly available, and he works across several time zones. Yeah. So yeah. there is always a calling. And I have to say to him, it will always be there. Work will always be there unless you mm. draw the line, unless you, as you say, assert that boundary and put a fence in place that says, no, it's, you know, for the next mm. two hours, I'm, I'm not available. So there is, there's a bit of work there, isn't there? There's bringing our awareness to it. 
there's accepting also compassionately that it's happened because yeah. I think we can fall foul into this whole kind of it's another thing we beat ourselves up about oh see mm -hmm. see I'm working too much on top of everything else and yeah. I haven't got my life work boundaries right and we do mm -hmm. throw these words in the coaching world we kind of throw the words like boundaries and um, asserting ourselves and confidence we kind of bound them around but the truth is they're really it takes a lot of time as you said and it takes a lot of confidence to yeah. put those in place doesn't it and mm -hmm. you know where do you think we can start because I think it can feel really big when someone says well just assert your boundaries and you're thinking yes well actually what if my boss thinks you know I've made myself available 24 7 for the last year what if he mm -hmm. thinks you know I'm not doing my job what if my partner thinks I don't care about them what if my mm -hmm. mother doesn't think I give a monkeys anymore because I can't do you know x y and z three times a week you know where where do we start with that yeah, very good question. And I think and there's, there's different sort of routes, I suppose, that um, people could take. I think if we think of, of work as a, as a way of starting, it depends obviously on the nature of, of your role um, and the, I guess the hours you're expected to be working. But one thing that I think is really key and might seem a little bit daunting is the piece around communication. So if you realise that you haven't been taking a lunch break, you know, most days, or you have been working until seven when, strictly speaking, you're only due, you know, you're only asked to work until five thirty, or you realise that um, you're having to work on on the weekend sometimes. Communicating that to a manager, a partner, a colleague, and letting them know that actually this has been going on, and this is the time that you would like to look at amending that. So. Do you say to yourself, actually, I'm not going to open my emails until nine o'clock every morning? Do you say, I'm going to take a half an hour lunch break as a non-negotiable? Once you've found something that's realistic to you, because we'll all be different, um, you know, based on our commitments, and especially if you've got children and you're at home, you know, it might not be that you can work until 5.30, for example. Work out what makes sense for you and then communicate that to a manager or to a partner if you work for yourself, almost without accountability but also in letting them know that this is why a new boundary is being implemented and moving forward, this is how it will be. Mm. And I think when we have that conversation, because a lot of the time I, I believe other people in the team or other, you know, your senior, your sort of senior managers might not realize the extent to which you are working mm. and they, it's not necessarily their responsibility to come in and change things. It's your own responsibility to do that. So that's like a, a very small example um, for people listening that have their own businesses or side hustles or their founders. That's obviously a sort of different challenge in itself. But something that I saw the other day, um, a couple of weeks ago, a lady who's got her own business. And it's something that I've spoken to one of my clients about around setting boundaries on their email. Because there's, I read a study that sort of said, the amount of time that people spend flitting in and out of their inbox on a daily basis wastes so much time because they have no clear boundaries on the relationship with their inbox. Um, and one of the examples they gave, which to be honest, I think I'm going to look at doing, because I think it's such a nice way of communicating this boundary, is in their email signature is to say, um, it was something like, because I'm an advocate of, of positive well-being, um, it's really important to me that I um, manage you know how much time I'm spending in my inbox therefore 
it might take me up to 48 hours to get back to you. If there's anything urgent, here's my number. So it was a very subtle and polite way, I think, of communicating in that signature so that when anyone emailed them, they knew, actually, okay, she might not be looking at her emails in the next hour. If it isn't urgent, she will get back to, you know, she, she'll get back to me at some point. And just having something like that in place can actually make a difference and allows you to have a bit more space and take the pressure off constantly being at the beck and call of other people. So, but, you know, in the field that we're, you know, we were actually, no, I think in any workplace, especially if you are working on an employed basis in terms of modelling for your direct reports, modelling for your yeah. peers, modelling for our kids. Mm-hmm. And those we love around us is being congruent, isn't it? And and I think yeah. there's getting over that hurdle, that mental hurdle, that asserting boundaries is rude. Exactly. Rude. And yeah. actually that comes down to the communication thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? And it can be packaged up in a way that doesn't feel confrontational. And we mustn't assume. I think that's something we do as humans a lot in our relationships. We assume that the other person is going to think negatively. Yeah. Or the other person is going to make a judgment about us but actually if we can assume that they'll be fine with it it's mm. much easier to make mm. those decisions isn't it yeah and I think um something that you said they you know, as with the boundaries of the impact it might have well what are the impacts it might have on those that you know your immediate family mm. you your partner your children um you know that's we want to model that behavior to them as well yes we might not be saying no to a work commitment but by not saying no to a work commitment we're saying no to spending time with people we love or our own free time and that in itself is should what I think is motivation enough to be have the confidence to say no or to have the confidence to say actually I can't do this today I'll do it tomorrow and you know letting that be the reason for for kind of implementing those boundaries yeah and and trying to get over that people pleasing voice it's something I'm trying to I feel like I'm getting much much better at it and not setting myself up for over delivering and over promising so I have this terrible Mm. actually I've got much better terrible habit of say a client would would require something and I would I would endeavor to get it there that afternoon and now I'll give myself 24 hours 48 hours and say I'll be able to do Mm -hmm. this for you by Thursday and that feels much much kinder but saying no segues us very beautifully and seamlessly into the subject of because actually when we talk about boundaries when we talk about work when we talk about health Mm -hmm. we're talking about pleasing or validating or making ourselves accountable to external things external voices and an external thing that I come up against a lot is diet culture and Mm -hmm. trying to give men and women um, increasingly men the confidence to say no I'm not buying Mm. into that you know for me well I didn't grow up with social media you know there is just nothing but Mm -hmm. social media now do you do you think there is more pressure to look a certain way these days I mean and how do you see diet culture negatively impacting people that you work with yeah I think um social media sort of does amplify that pressure Mm. um, because we have access to seeing anyone and everyone in like at the touch of our our fingertips however I do think things are changing in the sense that many brands are see I believe looking for much more of a diverse representation of 
the everyday person. Whereas previously, um, you know, sort of even five, six years ago, it was the typical sort of six foot, super skinny model that didn't represent the average person. So I think that's definitely a positive thing. I think as well, influencers that are using social media are having to be much more real when it comes to who they are as a person, you know, not always using filters, um, showing themselves sitting down and having a tummy roll because that's normal. Um, And people resonate much more with that honesty, I think, because it does represent the, you know, the vast majority of the population. Um, In terms of how it negatively impacts people, and I think, unfortunately, it is something that people perhaps struggle with when they're younger. And then as they grow up, begin to adopt their own beliefs and their own realizations around how they want to feel, more importantly, versus how they look. Um, Ultimately, the diet culture means that people sort of live their lives based on what they think others deem attractive. So once again, it's that other person. Mm. So they choose foods based on the fact they think it will make them skinny. And that's good because that will get them liked or that will help them be successful um but as we get older and as we learn more about our bodies and the importance of health and you know the importance of a balanced diet I do think people then are begin to be more comfortable the issue is you then have to sort of work at unlearning what you led to be believed as true up until that point which that then takes time and mindset work and sort of allowing yourself to do things in a different way than you might have been for the first 20 years or 23 years of your life it's interesting because I think you're absolutely right I think the older we get the more perspective we get on what we value in life and so forth Mm -hmm. however there is this juxtaposition that I come across a lot we know from within disordered eating there are kind of two um hot spots in life there's puberty when the body's transitioning through this major change and the menopause Mm. and I work a lot with women who are in their 50s who there's this conflict between you know suddenly they're no longer the caretakers at home life is transitioning things are changing they want to as you say connect with their authentic selves they want to feel more confident but they're carrying decades of diet culture and decades mm. of um, the thin ideal and decades of dieting. I mean, something ridiculous, like 17 years is the average amount of time a woman will spend on a diet in her lifetime. If you, you know, add all the diets mm. up together, it's yeah. 17 years. That's a lot of, that's a lot of work, but the, the juxtaposition comes because their bodies, your body changes, it softens during menopause and it's partly a protective thing to do with estrogen and protecting our heart. And yeah, and I think that's where the the conflict comes because we are still in a, and you're absolutely right, there is this beautiful swelling within social media, this movement that is happening. And as you say, we're seeing mm-hmm. more influences turning up authentically, only wanting to work with brands who are representative and diversifying mm-hmm. and all of those things. But if we really drill down to it, we still live in a fat phobic society yeah and there is still we still idolize thin and we still see Mm. um and we still hear in the news you know they're putting Mm -hmm. calories on menus they're Mm -hmm. 
prescribing fruit and veg as, as of this morning on which is oh you know fruit and veg is vital and incredibly important but it doesn't look at the bigger the bigger issue so i think it's it, it's i absolutely hope and believe you're right my girls are well my children are my son is turning 15 my daughter's turning 13 and my youngest is 10 yeah and my girls are being brought up in a world where they are looking at you know accounts that talk about body acceptance and body neutrality mm -hmm. and they're well versed in this this language mm -hmm. but she'll still come home from school and say so and so is not eating carbs really yeah and there's this mm. I think we've got this groundswell as you say but mm. still this until the idea of what is acceptable in society changes we're butting and we've mm. got to keep but we have to keep pushing we have to keep pushing for the mm. change for the next generations and I really hope it changes for our children's children yeah I, th I think it's 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 so hard to know what could ever happen that it that means it wouldn't wouldn't be a problem mm. I, I I think perhaps because things like coaching and positive well-being and positive psychology are becoming more widely known and talked about that's actually a stance that could really help if mm -hmm. it's taught in schools and it's communicated with children from a young age mm -hmm. around the emphasis of how you feel versus how you look and strategies and techniques to build confidence to build self-belief to build um, you know, let go of judgment, let go of comparison. Obviously, that's not a, an easy feat, but that's not something that I was taught at school. No. And I don't think is particularly widely taught at the moment, if, you know, mm. commonly at all. So actually, if we have that focus, um, that might be a way of, of starting to help, mm. um, I guess, bridge that gap between yeah. where we are now and ideally where we would like to be. Um, and then having that conversation bringing it up with with all generations so that it's something that we focus on more in a positive light versus how we physically look you and I have come to this work later in life and and, and done the work but as you say if I we'd had it at school I can imagine mm. traversing my teenage years would have been a very different kettle of fish for sure those terrible, yes. awkward, yeah. painful teenage years that yeah. you, you, I don't know, yours may have oh, been a breeze, but mine were, mine were hideous. You know, working in the realms of coaching, in particular mindset and, and confidence, what do you consider then to be, obviously we've talked a little bit about workplace health, mm -hmm. you know, our relationship with work, but how does that relationship between taking care of our health and being able to have a healthier mindset play out in your experience? Mm. I think they're sort of, they're obviously intrinsically linked, and it's mm -hmm. vitally important to um, look at our mindset. And personally, for me, actually, I had always had an interest and placed importance on sort of physical fitness, but it was only up until about two and a half years ago that I began to understand and really find fascinating our mental fitness as well. Um, and I remember reading something a while ago, a couple of years ago now. And they pointed out that so often people will look to seek support for their mindset at a point where they've hit rock, rock bottom almost, rather than it being something that people do on a daily basis, because you can't see the sort of physical mm -hmm. outcome. Whereas exercise, people do, well, those that are into fitness or also vaguely into health and fitness will probably do it at least 
two or three times a week, perhaps, on, on, in whatever format might be, because they know that it's important. So placing importance on our mindsets and our physical, our mental fitness, as it were, is extremely important and something that we should look to do daily, even when we're feeling great, but especially when we're not feeling great. And the tendency is to not want to do the things when we're feeling tired or drained or frustrated, but actually they're the things that we can turn to that we know are going to help us feel better. And I think health is linked to that because health, you know I'll, you'll you'll know more than me but the, the gut brain connection yeah um, the foods that we eat the um, nutrients that we consume and as well our lifestyle so the sleep the water the stress and that just all contributes to our mindset and kind of how we show up each day yeah massively um totally agree and the point you made about the fact that actually at the times when we need it most and we feel the less inclined are the times where we, we, you know, that's, that's when we need to practice it. And yeah. I think, as you said, you know, with exercise, you know, there are very tangible measurements, you know, you can get up the stairs without mm-hmm. getting so out of breath, you can go longer in your yoga class, you know, that muscle gets bigger. But mindset, we have to kind of change our, and this is something I talk about with clients a lot about how they measure progress they have an idea of where they should be <laughs> and mm-hmm. there is where they mm-hmm. are and how long it, they want to go from a to z and actually yeah. if we can reframe what progress is to us in terms of our mindset as well so you know how do we measure it i guess is what i'm getting at i'm going i'm talking in a really convoluted way but how do we measure mindset improving how does that play out in our lives how do we know when we're actually attending to that side of ourselves mm, mm. I think I think it is very tricky as you say because it's not like okay in 30 days time I will be feeling like this yeah I think it's the case of introducing small daily actions that you know help you feel better so if you're someone that struggles with stress what do you know you can do that will help you relieve stress is it getting fresh air? Is it spending less time on your phone? Is it reading in the morning? You know, is it whatever it might be? And almost setting yourself a little challenge that you're going to do this every day for the next 30 days. And just by doing that, what I, and I personally do find it hard as well, is, you know, how you can remember how you felt a month ago. Mm. Now, some that's I think that's why a lot of people use journaling because you can look back um yeah. but I also appreciate that that doesn't necessarily resonate with everyone and it does take a bit of time also just having sometimes I even put reminders in my diary for sort of 30 days 60 days as like a check-in like how am I feeling I used to get stressed out at things seemingly quite small so sitting in a traffic jam would really frustrate me because I hate being late um I'd always make sure I'm on time and that's something totally out of my control it would just really irritate me now I can confidently say things like that actually just don't stress me out because a I realize it's out of my control b I understand how to reframe situations and c it's sort of not worth draining your more of your energy on something that is out of your control Mm -hmm. so I can look back and say okay well because I put time into working on my mindset because I understand how reframing works I now can confidently say my sort of mental fitness or my mindset has improved in that area because I don't feel as much stress generally speaking I don't I don't really ever feel particularly stressed or overwhelmed and it's not because I 
sit on the sofa all day I think it's because I commit daily to doing things that I know support me and that's not necessarily always you know meditation breath work visualization whilst I do do some of that it's also getting enough sleep it's also going outside it's also drinking enough water and these are all things that we do that will help positively impact our health and mindset which is why I think everyone is sort of capable of achieving that it's just the perseverance and the commitment that comes to implementing them and more importantly understanding why it is that you want to be doing this on a daily basis versus someone else telling you to do it because you think it's a good thing to do yeah absolutely you know we we tend to come in with an all or nothing kind of attitude to these these things and think suddenly we're going to turn into Joe Wicks and we're going to be this committed but actually breaking it down into those really small steps makes it more achievable mm. and perhaps it is just mm. writing on a scale of one to ten how you feel each day at the top of a yeah top of a diary yeah. or using an emoji and then being able to look back and say oh, actually consistently for the last mm. 10 days I've had smiley faces so something is exactly working. energy flows where attention goes right yeah and it's bringing awareness and I talk to my clients a lot about this but how we can build in these pauses between mm. reacting and responding because it's in that mm-hmm. pause is where we get to make the choice so when you're in that traffic queue and your limbic system begins to work itself into a frenzy you have a choice don't we by creating the yeah. noticing oh I can feel myself getting you know a little bit raw I have a choice I have a choice mm-hmm. to either let this go or I can continue down this path of getting enraged by the slow moving traffic but how is that going to serve yeah. me I don't think we value, we give energy a value. Mm-hmm. So if we valued energy in the same way we value money, for example, we'd be much yeah. more careful about how we expend it. If someone Definitely. said, well, you're going to go 20 pounds into your overdraft by getting yourself in a tiz over that traffic queue. Yeah. You'd calm yourself down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you'd be much more likely to keep some money back to attend to the things yeah. that you want to do. You want to go on holiday. So I'm not going to go waste it by mm-hmm. burning energy over here by working beyond my contracted hours every night of the week yeah and I think there's something there about how we value energy and how Mm. we can use and how do we use that energy to um make the changes in our lives if you have the energy to make those really small commitments every day then you're constantly building a credit in the bank aren't you you're always going to be you're going to be far more in credit but I think we're constantly trying to run on two pennies and five pence pieces Mm. and that yeah that's it's really interesting that you say that because that's something that I have been looking into more relatively recently is this concept of managing energy versus managing time and that links back to the idea of boundaries as well is Mm. boundaries are there to protect your energy you know it's not that you don't want to interact with other people it's not that you don't want to do things for the people it's that we need to better manage our energy Um, and it's this idea that you know if we wake up let's say typically speaking, everyone wakes up with 100% energy, providing you've had a good sleep, um, you know, it might be some days that it's slightly less. So if we think of our day as gradually, as being as being made up of things that are energy drainers and energy boosters, and then you look ahead to your week and say, okay, what, looking at my diary, what are these things that are energy drainers, what's boosting me? Anything in your diary that you think, oh gosh, I don't know if I want to do that, or I don't know why I said yes, or that's causing me to feel stressed already and it's only and it's already you know three days away that's examples of putting the boundaries in place and saying actually I'm going to move that or I'm going to say no or I'm going to politely decline because those are things that will drain your energy 
And yes, of course, there'll be things that might cause us stress or that are draining, you know, because that's just the way that life is. It's important that we have things in there that boost our energy as well. And that, I guess, comes back to your mindset and your health is having activities or time or rituals in place that help to bring up and sort of refill that um, energy bar so that we're not at the end of the day when it comes to spending time with our kids or our family or our partner at 10% energy. And that's not really fun for, for anyone. Yeah, no, why, why should they be getting the worst of us rather than the, the yeah. best of us? And as you were speaking, you said about being kind of our future friend and looking through our diaries and seeing where are the deficits and where are the, where are the boosts. I was thinking, do you know what I'm going to do? I've got a, I have a month by, like I plan out the month. I'm going to go with a mm. highlighter, two different colored highlighters. And I'm going to highlight everything that's energy boosting that's in my diary yeah. and everything that is energy draining. Um, mm. And it'd be really interesting exercise to see which color comes out yeah. most frequently, wouldn't it? Because yeah. I think sometimes we have to see it visually. We have to have it mm. in a really mm. clear way put in front of us because we always kind of discount you know we're, we're prone to discounting as a thinking style so we'll always look for the you know oh well it doesn't really matter if I don't do that for myself because it's much more important yeah. I do this thing but if we could see it visually in front of us I think mm. that would be quite a powerful powerful thing Definitely. to do I think that's a good idea and and then it allows you to make some adjustments ahead yeah. of time yeah if there is an imbalance yeah absolutely and you you spoke a little bit earlier about self-care and you said you know I think in the world of wellness, there is a lot of emphasis on things like journaling and meditation mm -hmm. and visualization. And, you know, you just need to manifest your six figures and all of yeah. that jazz. <laughs> um, but, um, which, yeah, it isn't, is it? It is about no. getting the basics. And for me, also, self care is about acknowledging your, your truth. So, not yeah. putting yourself out, not making yourself uncomfortable not making decisions that don't feel aligned to your values and beliefs mm. because that's not self-care that's mm. self-neglect plus the healthy basics like yeah we cannot function you will have brain fog you will find it hard to concentrate you will feel low you'll be disinclined to exercise because blood pumps around your body slower if you're dehydrated you know those things are really important but you know how do you support yourself with self-care you know you said that you do you meet the small actions and there are the big ones but how do you make sure that you could you do that every day I've got into the habit of planning almost as you were saying sort of planning your your month and I do plan um in into the future I definitely plan most of my week a week in advance and that will include things like when I'm going to exercise scheduling times in for a walk if I know that I've got a really busy morning I'll put in a block of half an hour for a walk at lunchtime because I know that I'll need the fresh air to help me kind of feel re-energized and re-motivated for the afternoon I also make sure that I don't commit to too many things in the evening because whilst I'm not someone that needs 12 hours of sleep um, or a nap in the afternoon I do know that between seven to eight hours is a priority for me and if I don't have that, it will knock my ability to focus, my energy levels the next day. So I make sure that I'm prioritizing that and almost, I guess, working backwards to make sure that that is something that I'm committing to. Um, and something that you mentioned earlier around having that sort of time to pause to respond versus react, something that I speak about to clients and I 
try best to implement myself is creating more mindful moments throughout the day mm. so that's just a chance to stop for even a minute and take a breath you know before a meeting before a call with a client before um picking your kids up from school giving yourself a minute just to be mindful and it sounds almost a bit ridiculous but actually when we have those mindful moments we can tune in and think how is it that I'm feeling what what is it that I need now you know do I actually just need to shut my laptop down for 10 minutes um do I need to call a friend maybe I have realized I need a little bit of a shoot kick and want to go and get some chocolate you know if we don't allow time for that we just operate on this autopilot sort of fast moving hamster wheel that no wonder we feel drained no wonder we're our confidence is not no wonder we're exhausted mm. because we haven't actually stopped to listen to our body and hopefully that does resonate with people listening so I know that it might sound a little bit sort of not not woo-woo but you know listening to our body it's just it's more just pausing and thinking what would make me feel a little bit better now and going with that initial instinct versus thinking oh well it's four o'clock so I have to work another hour and a half before I can go and have a break it's like well you could t have a 10 minute break now and if you need to work an extra 10 minutes after 5 30 well then so be it but sort of challenging the norm I guess a bit around that yeah. and breaking free from a routine that we might have been so accustomed to living by and realizing that we can kind of create new habits within an existing routine absolutely and it doesn't sound woo at all to me it's everything I subscribe to I work within the framework of intuitive eating so it's exactly that it's about we call it interceptive mm. awareness so tuning back into our mm -hmm. bodies and we we don't do it anymore we kind of externalize mm. everything you know when you need a we but we tend to ignore everything else um, yeah. all the other signs yeah. it's not the allocated time for a break even though I'm exhausted and I really need to go yeah. I really need to go and eat something and, and the question you mentioned there that I think is a really powerful question and one that we should all practice asking consistently throughout our day is what do I really need in this moment? Mm. Because if we mm. don't, what we tend to do is we then attend things that perhaps impact us negatively in the long term. So if we ignore our needs all day, so we don't eat, for example, we strict all day because we don't make time or we think we're being good or whatever, mm -hmm. then mm. we end up triggering primal hunger and I talk about face planting the biscuit tin that you know that's what happens or we end mm. up leaning into a bottle of wine because actually we haven't attended in those micro moments throughout the day our stress so by the time it gets to the end of the day we're yeah. just this over boiling kettle and we know that if we have a massive great big glass of pinot noir we're going to feel better but you know the knock-on impact of that yeah. so yeah it's, it's mm -hmm. understanding that you know in that there's a difference between attending our well-being for the future for that medium long term yeah. and that that short term fix mm. and the other thing I loved that you said was about working backwards so you said you know mm. I put it in my diary and I work backwards from there because we tend to fit self-care in like the add-on so it's the first thing to drop it's the last yeah. thing to go in and the first thing to drop it's like oh I'd mm. love to get to Pilates this week but actually it didn't happen so I'll let it go and yeah. putting parameters around that that says no 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 that that is a non-negotiable mm. mm. and giving yourself permission to make that and non-negotiable is is vital as you say and understanding the value of that in your in your life we have to make space if we want things to become consistent and we want to be committed we have to make space otherwise we're just trying to ram a card into a tightly squeezed yeah. deck that's really wise and the other thing you mentioned there 
again, and I think it's something we can all bring our awareness to, is our our rhythms. Mm. When do you work best? And I think that it's it's definitely something that we've just been programmed to believe mm. is the right way of doing things, mm. i.e. starting work at nine, finishing at six, having a hour or half an hour lunch break between 12 and one. But I definitely think this past year has proven that we can change the norm, as it were. Yeah. And if, you know, you're, it's four o'clock and you do need to go for a walk and you think, oh, I can't because my manager will ask me where I'm going. We'll just communicate and say, actually, I'm going for a 15 minute walk to get some fresh air because I've realized I have a bit of an energy dip. And this really helps give me an extra fuel of focus and motivation for the next two hours. I can guarantee that they won't turn around and say, you, you're not allowed to do that. And, you know, it's, it's sort of taking that responsibility and, as you say, acknowledging what works best. And if you do realise that you work better in the morning, you know, is there a conversation that you could have with your manager that says, could I start working at eight and finish at 4.30 because I'm significantly more productive and I really believe that this will have a positive impact on my output and also my relationship with my colleagues. Yeah. And it's all about having those conversations. Yeah. And communication, definitely. And yeah. if we work in a, an environment where, you know, we have to be present, you know, if you're yeah. a nurse, you're working in retail, of any of those yeah. things, that's a little bit harder. But then it's mm. making sure that when those opportunities arise in your working patterns, that you full heartedly take them. It's really mm. tempting, isn't it, to sit in the staff room and scroll on our phones for that 40 yeah. minute break, but actually take that moment to go outside mm. and get a breath of fresh air and make space, make space for them. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's sort of, as you mentioned, you know, having the, the things that we put into our diary, like our Pilates class, our swimming class, our walk with a friend that we tend to let go of straight away. When it comes to that point just remembering why you put it in in the first place you know you put that in because you enjoy doing it and it makes you feel good so it's ironic that we then let that be the first thing that we mm. are happy to remove and yeah I'm glad that you mentioned the point around you know, if you are a nurse or you are a teacher and you can't just sort of take these breaks what is it that you can do that's a sort of miniature version of a Pilates class you know is it that moment of stillness is it an opportunity to be away from your phone or away from other people and breathe that can be done even in a bathroom and it's not obviously the most glamorous yeah. of places no but it but can be finding yeah. that little spot and just saying yeah. I just need two minutes out and yeah. I think two minutes is probably realistic in most situations yeah go and have a wee take a few deep breaths roll your shoulders a few times relax your jaw yeah. and reset yeah actually it all counts because you'll put in yeah. coinage in that energy bank you know, it exactly. might feel like coinage and not notes, but it's still, mm. they all add up, you know, mm. pennies make a pound. If we do it every day, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we don't know what's going to happen mm. this afternoon. So if we're building up a solid foundation where we're feeling good or we're feeling calm or we're feeling sort of stable, mm. when we do get faced with challenges or things that catch us off guard or moments of stress, we have already built up that foundation versus turning to it in times where we have no option but to do it. So, you know, for people that aren't necessarily accustomed to doing this regularly, having a reminder on your phone every at three, three o'clock every day that just sort of says breathe or take a moment or a little a reminder mm. and get into the habit of doing that on the days that you're, you know, from, from now onwards, because you 
subconsciously you are actually building up that that sort of muscle of mm. um that the mindset that's supporting you that's going to be stronger when faced with a, a more challenging time maybe notice how you respond then versus how you might have six months ago and whilst it won't be put down solely to that sort of one activity you do each day that helps you with your mindset it that has a knock-on effect that has a ripple effect on everything else so it really is so important yeah absolutely the foundations are not the sirens they shouldn't be blues and twos well but you know taking time to self-care shouldn't be sending in shouldn't be like making a 911 call should it it's like oh quick I must meditate because I'm I'm on the floor (laughs) stop you getting on the floor in the first place what three simple steps do you think our club members could take away today that would immediately benefit them then so I've got a variety of things so one of them I think um and it links back to our um, initial conversation about the social media and Mm. pressures that come from uh, the external um people I guess in our environment so I'd say to carry out a little bit of a Instagram maybe to begin with but general social media audit so removing profiles that trigger you that make you feel bad about yourself or that spark kind of unwelcomed emotions um I think it's very easy just to keep scrolling but just have a look at who you are following and whether they're there and positively impacting how you're feeling so I say that would be the first one secondly um is to get into the habit of setting an intention each day. And I think a nice way of looking at this is just to choose a word that you want to embody that day. And that might be curiosity, kindness, patience, enthusiasm, and spend one minute, because I appreciate that you know we haven't all got loads of time, one minute choosing the word, and then just almost running through in your mind what your day ahead looks like. So are you going into any shops? who are you going to be speaking to who might you come in contact with and how can you embody that word as much as possible in your day ahead and it just is a really nice way of helping to kind of point the arrow in the direction that you want your day to go and if you can do that every day it's such a lovely way of a being a bit more aware but b being more intentional around your day and how you want to feel that'd be my second one and then the third simple step is to write down um, at the end of each day, three wins, or even start off with one, you know, let's keep it super simple, one or three wins at the end of each day. Now, the reason why I think this is so great and such something that we can really easily implement is to help boost that confidence, but also a stronger mindset around all the things that we are doing, that we are achieving, that are making us feel good because there's still so much focus and praise, I think, in society at the moment around action, achievement, progress, growth, that we so often overlook the things that we are already achieving and doing and that are already making us feel great. So by taking a moment at the end of the day to acknowledge a great conversation, something that made us smile, a surprise, a or a big project, you know, maybe a promotion or complete or signing a new client. That just helps gradually. It's all sort of once again linked to that foundation of achievement. And when we have that sense of achievement, it helps us with motivation. When we have motivation, we're better at focusing. So it's just getting into that habit of doing that before you shut your laptop down and actually savoring those moments versus thinking, mm. okay, done, what's next? Which mm. I think we're all guilty of. And I 
I've definitely got a lot better at and it is so nice just to kind of reflect and and look at what we're doing right as sort of what we've got next to do yeah absolutely and I love the fact that you use the word embodied take that Mm -hmm. intention and embody it because it is about how do you want to feel and the question we ask everybody and it's a big question everyone goes oh Oh, if you were on a mountain with the whole world's population below you listening to you what would you tell them so I would say and this is probably something that I have been kind of trying to share more widely recently is quit waiting for one day because it doesn't exist and oh I like that Nicola yeah Yeah. it's a good one it's a good one people the most common um I guess objection I might get when it comes to people working with a coach or people investing in themselves whether that's with a personal trainer or a coach or a mentor or whoever it might be is oh it's it's not the right time or maybe in six months or it's just you know maybe one day and the longer you wait the longer we put it off the sort of longer it will take to get to where you want to be Mm. and we have these intentions of doing it ourselves, of keeping ourselves accountable, but it just, it doesn't have the same impact. And I think if there is a new business you want to set up, if there is someone that you've been thinking about reaching out to, if there is a new hobby you want to try, just go for it and do it today. That one day might never come. And I would always prefer to say, at least I tried versus looking back and regretting either not doing it sooner or regretting never doing it and, and holding on to that kind of what if feeling as you say just doing it just do it yeah um and finally where can people find you learn more about your work um so I'm on Instagram with Nicola Charlotte coaching I have recently got into reels which kind of makes me laugh and question myself all at the same time so would I literally about two weeks ago I thought I'll never do reels like that's not for me don't see how they I just I just don't get them and now I just love doing them so check those out on my Instagram um and then my website is nicolacharlotte.com so yeah got lots of information um but please do reach out with questions thoughts anything I would be delighted to hear and thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today it's been a pleasure and a privilege Nicola thank you thank you very much Thank you for tuning in and we hope you're able to take something of value away from today's episode. Perhaps one small action you can put into practice today. If you are enjoying Reframe, then please do subscribe and rate the podcast as this helps us reach more lovely listeners. As always, here at Reframe Club, we are rooting for you.